When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he was talking to us on the road while he was opening the scriptures to us? Please pray with me. Father, through your spirit, open the words of scripture for us today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. When we're trapped up in our emotions, when we're wrapped up, it's, it's so easy to miss what's right in front of us. Maybe we're stressed, maybe we're nervous. Sometimes we're stressed so we can't remember where we've placed our keys, only perhaps to discover that they were already in our pockets. Or our glasses, only to find them on our face. (laughs) Sometimes we're excited. A few months ago, I went to the Kentucky Exposition Center to see the, the Beyond Van Gogh exhibit, only to realize it was at the International Convention Center. <laughs> two very different places in two very different parts of town. There are myriad ways our emotions can blind us to the truth, to the, de- to the details right in front of us. And even, and even send us in the wrong direction. However, perhaps the most blinding of emotions is grief. Today's gospel reading concerns two disciples walking away from Jerusalem, by, not by excitement, but by their distress at the loss of Jesus. The whole arc of Luke's gospel has moved towards Jerusalem. By walking to Emmaus, these two disciples are going the wrong way. They've left Jerusalem, the holy city of God. They, uh, they've left the gathered body of disciples. <laughs> they are literally walking away from the church. However, amid their grief and confusion, Jesus comes alongside these lost disciples and shows them and us where we can always find him. We've stepped back a few days from where we were when last week's gospel ended. We're back on Easter Sunday, and two disciples of Jesus are headed home to Emmaus. I invite you to immerse yourself in the setting a bit. Emmaus is about seven miles from Jerusalem. That's about a two and a half, three hour walk probably. It's nearing evening. We have the name of one of our pedestrians, Cleopas. We don't know who the other one is, though some scholars speculate it's Cleopas's wife, Mary, as John's gospel calls her. Perhaps it isn't her. Perhaps St. Luke didn't want to name yet another Mary in the confusing mix of Marys in the New Testament. (laughs) Whoever this companion is, These two are confused, dejected, and headed home when this stranger approaches them on the path. 
They don't recognize him. Luke doesn't tell us why. We don't know if Jesus did something supernatural to mask his identity. Uh, if, he, if he was just shaded with a headscarf, maybe. Or if it was really their grief binding them to the fact that the one they were grieving over was right beside them. Here, Jesus shows us how he often works, intersecting our path. He journeys with us, even often when we're walking away. He places the right people and circumstances along our path to point us to him. Not everyone has a bright light from heaven moment. In fact, in the resurrection appearances in the Gospels, this is seldom the case. For most of us, as Tim Keller says, Jesus is in your life, and it's not until after the fact when you realize when he showed up. In your life right now, there might be a person or trouble that's pulling you toward God. The stranger asked our travelers about their conversation. These two, hanging their heads in hopelessness, are amazed that this man has not heard about all the terrible things happening in Jerusalem over the past few days. Cleopas essentially says, how have you missed this? Are you not from around here? What rock have you been under? <laughs> Funny thing is, he really has been. Um, <laughs> they tell the stranger all the things that have taken place. How Jesus, who they hoped was the Messiah, who would redeem Israel, was handed over and killed. But how some women just that morning had said that he rose from the dead and that some disciples had seen his tomb empty. They don't know what to make of it. These two have the details, but they've missed the meaning. Jesus, in a kind, gentle, pastoral tone, politely replies, Oh, how foolish you are. Let me be clear. Jesus journeys beside us even on our wayward paths, but he points us in the right direction. Like these disciples, we often look for the wrong answers, the wrong kind of savior in our lives, and lose heart when things don't go as expected. The disciples say, our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel when that very crucifixion is what gave them redemption. Cleopas and his companion believe they need deliverance from political slavery and freedom from Rome, but what they really need is redemption from spiritual slavery and our bondage to sin. The real Messiah slowly reveals himself to them as he truly is, not as they or we want him to be. And the way he does this may look very familiar to you. Jesus leads off by explaining to them all the scriptures in the Hebrew Bible that point to him. Was it not necessary, he says, that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? We don't know what specific scriptures Jesus cites. 
surprisingly, Jesus' amazing Bible lesson is not recorded. After all the incredible detail in the rest of Luke's gospel about Jesus' acts and teachings, he broad swaths it here. We may have words in the new creation about that. However, I think the purpose may be to point out that all Scripture, every word of it, points to Jesus. In the words of Luke, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them things about himself in all the Scriptures. Scripture tells us that we are made in the image of God. Scripture tells us that we have fallen into sin and are hopelessly bound to it and its result in death. Scripture tells us that God will send a suffering servant to be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, that he would be raised on the third day, that he will ascend and be exalted in glory, and that he will return to make all things new. Of course, Jesus was only working with the Old Testament in this conversation. But now we have all 66 books of the Bible presenting one vision of the Messiah who not only was to come, but came and defeated sin, death, and Satan for us. It is the Bible uniquely where we can find the truth about Jesus The prophecy about his coming, his arrival and teaching, his death for us and his resurrection and the promise of his coming again. It has a remarkable effect on Cleopas and his companion. They later reflect, were not our hearts burning within us when he was talking to us on the road while he was opening the scripture to us? He has spoken not just to their heads, but to their hearts. Christ revealing himself through the scriptures lights the ember of hope within them like a love poem being read by its author. In the words of Bishop Tom Wright, we too are invited to listen to the exposition of the Bible, to have our hearts burning within us as a fresh truth comes out of the old pages and sets us on fire. In this and the following passage, Luke emphasizes what the church all too easily forgets, that the careful study of the Bible is meant to bring together head and heart, understanding and excited application. This will happen as we learn to think through the story of God and the world of Israel and Jesus, not in the way our various cultures try to make us think, but in the way that God himself has sketched out. Only when we see the Old Testament as reaching its natural climax in Jesus will we have understood it. Equally, we will only understand Jesus himself when we see him as the one to whom scripture points, not in isolated proof texts, but in the entire flow of the story. And when we grasp this, we, like Cleopas and his companion, will find our hearts burning within us. For Cleopas and his companion, 
The stranger's exposition of scripture alone was not quite enough for them to recognize him, but they are now insatiably intrigued. They want more. They need more. It is late in the day when they arrive at Emmaus. We can imagine the sun creating an amber glow when they invite their stranger inside for a meal. It is then, in the breaking of bread, that the revelation of Christ is finally made whole. These two disciples, who had been obtuse thus far, suddenly recognize Jesus for who he is. It is an image that points back to his last supper, where he proclaimed that the bread was his body given for us, his blood shed for us, and for the meal in which we signify Christ's sacrifice. Author and musician Michael Card writes, what is most significant about this appearance at Emmaus is the fact that Jesus is recognized in the breaking of the bread. It is a truth that is lived out thousands of times Every day, all over the world, whenever the faithful come with open eyes and recognize in the bread and the cup the presence of Jesus. When we meet the Lord through his word and his sacraments, we, like Cleopas and his companion, can't help but be changed. As the late priest and theologian John Stott writes, We are people of the word and the table. And it is through these two means that the Holy Spirit feeds, guides, and empowers us. Here, each Sunday, we have the scriptures recited and explained with Jesus at the center. And then we meet him at the table. As Tom Wright comments on today's passage, Scripture and sacrament, word and meal are joined tightly together here and elsewhere. Take scripture away and the sacrament becomes a piece of magic. Take the sacrament away and scripture becomes an intellectual or emotional exercise detached from real life. Put them together and you have the center of Christian living as Luke understood it. What has Jesus done here? but demonstrate how we would find him from here on out, the liturgies of the word and the sacrament. Yet after he breaks the bread, he vanishes. Why does he vanish? He disappears, Hansers von Balthasar writes, into the mission of the church. This is echoed in the last part of our liturgy. For these two disciples are meant to go out. Cleopas and his companion, without so much as finishing their dinner, race back to Jerusalem to proclaim that they have seen the risen Christ. I'm going to offer an invitation. If you're wandering through life a bit lost right now and wondering where Jesus can be found, I urge you, here. The church is where you'll find him. You'll find him in the people who, as his hands and feet on this earth, will walk beside you. You'll find him in the proclamation of the scripture, 
that speaks his gospel from beginning to end. You will find him in his body and blood given for forgiveness of your sins. And from these, through the Holy Spirit, he will empower you to carry his message to the world. The Book of Common Prayer gleans from today's story one of our most beautiful colleagues. And although this is morning, the collect, this collect for evening prayer is fitting for us, I think, today and always. Lord Jesus, stay with us, for evening is at hand and the day is past. Be our companion in the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope that we may know you as you are revealed in Scripture and the breaking of bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen.